I want to begin a series today called What You Need, You Already Have. Now, that's kind of an interesting statement to say that to you. Well, Pastor, I, I've got a lot of needs. I've got a lot of things in my life. But here's what I found out. The Word of God tells us that Jesus Christ dwells within inside of us, that He lives in us. The Bible says, if God be for us, what? Who can be against us? And so when you begin to understand that, and a lot of times we, we pray, and we kind of pray out there somewhere, don't we? Have you ever took, took time to pray and people say, you know, let us look to the heavenlies or let us look to God? Instead of us looking up when we look to God, what if we look right here? Well, that's not heresy. Hang with me. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And, and so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, that we have a lot of needs, a lot of things in our life that we stand in need of, but what we need, we already have. The, the solution has already been given. God, if you are a believer today, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He has already given to you everything that you need, the Bible says, pertaining to life and to godliness. Now, life and godliness pretty well encompasses everything that you are going to have to deal with in life. And so today, if you take your Bibles, go to the book of Romans, the 10th chapter. We're going to read to you in just a moment uh, a couple of three verses of Scripture out of Romans chapter 10. But, but here's what I want to tell you today. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is that you're struggling with, or maybe uh, you're needing something to happen in your life, I can tell you, according to the Word of God, that what you need, you already have. Now, some of you are kind of looking at me like you're not sure, so I'm going to talk to the campuses for a moment and welcome them this morning and tell them we're glad that, that you guys are joining with us, and I'm believing today that you're going to find out what you need, you've already got, as well as those of us who are here today as well. The book of Romans, the 10th chapter, let's look at that, beginning in verse number 8, and it says, but what does it say? The Word is near you. If you've got a King James Version, it says, the Word is nigh thee. Even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about what is in your mouth. Uh-oh. What is in your mouth? Now, the Bible says, what does it say? The Word is near you in your mouth. Now, here's what I want to tell you. What is in your mouth is, is one word, and that word is power. Power is in your mouth. You, you may not realize how powerful your words are, but James talks about, here, here's what James says about the tongue. He says that the tongue is like the rudder of a mighty ship. And he said, whichever way that the captain turns the rudder is the way that that ship goes. He says, so is your tongue, that whatever your tongue says, it directs your life. Uh, people who study the body, who, who are, are into physiology and those kind of things, doctors and scientists and, and, and those who, who know a little bit more than I do about the body, say that when you speak, that the muscles and, and all of the aspects of your body begin to respond to what you just said. Have you ever been around people who are always sick? 
Come on, you know somebody like that? Now, now, and please don't take this too far. There are, there are some things that are inherited. I understand that. But sometimes, if you will listen to what they're talking about, they're always talking about how sick they are. Now, come on, work with me. They are always talking about how bad it is and how hard and how weak they feel. Uh, again, scientists tell us that when you say, I feel weak, that your brain sends out a signal to all the muscles in the body and they immediately begin to change even some of the molecular structure within them to line up to what your word is. In the book of Romans there it says the word is near you even in your mouth. But the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the twelfth verse says, for the word of God is living and powerful. How many of you believe the Word of God is living? I mean, it's alive. It's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Now, the Word of God is powerful. And, And so, if I get the Word of God in me, and I start speaking what God says, then guess what's going to happen? The power of God is going to be released in my life. Let me, let me explain it a little bit in depth. The, the Word of God says in the book of Genesis, in fact, I went and read it back this morning in the first couple of chapters there. The book of Genesis says uh, that God created us in His image and in His likeness. All right? Scripture says that God formed man. Everything else God spoke into existence, but God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And the Word says that he breathed into man, and man became a living soul. The Phillips translation, I believe it is, says man became a speaking spirit. You say, why is that important? Well, let's look at Genesis 1 and 2 again. It starts off in the beginning, uh, you know, the heavens and earth were out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And you know what the next thing is? It says, and God saw that it was good. What God said, God saw. Now, the Scripture says that you have been made in the image and in the likeness of God. Now, have you ever been in a situation, let me, let me break it down even more. Have you ever been in a situation where you walked into a room and you, you, nobody was saying anything when you walked in? In fact, they all shut up, but you knew it was tense. Right? Why? Because words had created an environment, hadn't they? I mean, every one of us have every one of us have walked in and you can sense it. You just know that that somebody has been into something and their words, the power of their words have been released. I mean, you, you remember the little old saying that we all heard growing up, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. How many of you know that that is the biggest lie? Every one of us listening today have been hurt by words. Every one of us carry, even to this moment, things that were said to us as children, words that were spoken over us, things that were spoken into our life. We, we care. There are times even in marriages where husbands and wives say things to one another and, and, and those words go forth and, and they hurt and they wound. Why? Because the Word of God says that there's power. There's power of confession. 
God said and God saw. You and I have got to come to the place of understanding, though, that what we need to be saying more than anything else is the Word of God. The Scripture says this about God's Word. It says, the angels of God go forth to perform the words of God. Now think about that for a minute. How many of you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Do you believe that? No, really. I mean, it's not just a Sunday morning ritual that you bring it to church. You really do believe it's the Word of God. Well, if you really do believe it's the Word of God, then when you release the Word of God, when you speak the Word of God, then the angels of God are released to go forth and perform the words of God. Now, here's what I believe is the inverse of that just as well. I believe that when we speak our own soulish words, our own negative words, that the angels of darkness are released to go forth and perform those words as well. See, I'll tell you something. I do not believe that the the devil or any of his hordes of angels have any power over a believer. Listen, if greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, then that means the devil. All these people running around afraid of the devil just get on my last nerve. All right, why? Because the Bible says that the devil belongs underneath our feet. Okay? And, and so I don't, I don't run around, oh, I'm afraid the devil's going to get me. I'm afraid of this. The only power, listen carefully, the only power that the devil has over a believer is the power that we give them. And the best way that we give them control in our life is by our words. When we speak things that are, that are negative, when we speak things that are against what the Word of God says, then the enemy is released to perform his works against us and to come against us in that way. So if the Word of God is power, how do we understand some aspects about it? And I want to show you five things about the Word of God so that you'll get a good basis of this, and then I'm going to show you how to operate in this real quickly today. The first thing is found in the book of 2 Timothy. And if you just want to look at the screens, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And in Hebrews 4, I just read to you a minute ago, says, For the Word of God is living and powerful. Here's the first thing about the Word of God. The Word is our infallible authority. I get that. It's infallible. I believe with all of my heart that God's Word is infallible. That means there is no error in God's Word. You said, you, you, you really believe that Bible, that B-I-B-L-E, that thing you bring? You really believe that? Yeah, I really believe that. Well, isn't it proven a fact that there are all kind of historical fallacies? Nope. Every time they think they found a historical fallacy, a few years later, archaeology will change it. And it will always line up with what God's Word says. Go study it. There have been so many times they say, oh, no, no, there, there's no such place as this. There's no such person as this. No. And, and then uh, 10 years, 50 years, or 100 years later, there will be some archaeologist out in the middle of nowhere digging through some sand, and he'll come up and unearth something and find out that it lines up exactly with the Word of God. Listen, if I did not believe that the Word of God was infallible, I would not be a preacher. Because I could not play that game with you. I couldn't say, well, this, this might be the Word of God. There was a thing a few years back called the Jesus Symposium. Sounds real spiritual, doesn't it? The Jesus Symposium. And what it was, what was a, a bunch of guys from a cemetery, I mean seminary. Uh, <laughs> sorry. 
who, who would gather together from different seminaries and, and they would decide, they would read the Gospels and they would decide which ones were really the words of Jesus. And they had, I think if I remember right, they had four colored beads. If, if they were sure it was the words of Jesus, they would put a red colored bead in and they would all vote and say, okay, we got ten red, so that means it is, uh, and two negative, whatever. Then, then they had pink colored, which they thought it might be, but they weren't sure. Then they had gray, that they were pretty sure it wasn't his word, uh, but it could be. And then the fourth one was, was a black one, and they would throw that in and say, oh, no, we know that there's no way that that's the Word of God. And, and I, when I read that a few years back, it's been several years now, probably 20 years ago, I, I thought these guys ought to be strung up somewhere. B- because if that's really what you believe, then go out and get a job doing something else. Don't be teaching people about the Word of God if you don't even believe in the Word of God. I'm a little passionate about that this morning. I, I think that we have to believe, if I'm going to be a Christian and I'm going to be a man, and it's not, well, you know, you're not intellectual enough. Or, no, 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 wait a minute. If it's not the infallible Word of God, and if God is not God, and He wasn't able to preserve His Word to us today, then this whole thing is a crock, and we ought to go home. I'll let that settle. It won't bother me. But I believe it's the infallible Word of God. And so in that, then, then I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to proclaim it. I'm going to teach it. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For all the promises of God are in Him, speaking of Jesus, are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. The second thing that the Word of God is, is that it is our deed of inheritance. It's, listen, I, I don't know. I, ho- I hope some of you have some rich relatives. Anybody got any? No, don't raise your hand. I, I, ho- I hope you got some gazillionaires in your family. And as wonderful as that is, you need to be in the inheritance. You, you need to be in the will somewhere, right? Because at some point you're going to inherit what they've got. Now, the Word of God says that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If I am an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, then that means all the promises of God are yes and amen in Him, and I can go to the Word of God and I can say, wait a minute, what are the promises of God's Word? And every one of those promises, I can say they are mine today in my life. So that's the second thing. The third thing today that we find about the Word of God is, is that it's our guide for life. Have you ever needed a guide in life? Not the guiding light. Some of y'all misunderstood. Have you ever need a, needed a guide in life? Have you ever needed something to guide you? I was, I was in here the other day. Uh, the book of Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I was in here the other day, and it was in one of these wonderful storms that we've been having. And, and as, as I was in here, all of a sudden, the electricity just went off. And normally we have uh, a backup battery system, but they had been working on it, and it was shut off. And I want to tell you, in this auditorium, when the lights go off, if there isn't a backup power system, it's dark. And I was up here somewhere walking because I don't, I don't kneel and pray. I don't do the religious thing. I walk around when I pray. And it, I mean, it just went, Phew! and I went, okay, there's an owl somewhere here. And I think I know where it's at. And I kind of stumbled around for a minute. And then I remembered I had my cell phone. 
Anybody else use their cell phone? And I, and I just punch my cell phone on. And I let my cell phone lead me all the way back and all the way out into the foyer. That's what the Bible says about Scripture, that the Word of God is our guide for life. It will lead you. It will, it will be a path. Now, you know what? That light, get this and I'll move on. That light did not show me the entirety of this building. It just gave me about enough light for me to take a couple of steps, and then it had the light in front of me again. See, a lot of us are wanting God to show us the next 20 years of our life. And he says, that's not how I operate. I guide you. Come on, this is a word for somebody. I guide you just, just enough that you can see. Just take that step of faith, and I'll, I'll give you the next step of faith that you Number four. The fourth thing about the Word of God is Romans 10, 17. It's a famous passage. We've all read it. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The, the fourth thing about the Word is that it is a producer of faith. I, I mean, have you ever had moments of your life where you did not have faith? I, I want to tell you, I'm a pastor. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a religious leader. I'm a reverend. I'm going to be good, Jesus. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all that stuff. But there are moments where I don't have a lick of faith. Some of you are looking at me going, well, I'm going to go to another church. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. They're, they're just those moments where I look at a situation and I go, man, if Jesus doesn't show up, this is really going to be ugly. Amen. And yet, then I, can, I find myself picking up the Bible and start reading the Word of God, start finding promises, start finding those things that deal with that specific thing in, in my life. And all of a sudden, I begin to say, wait a minute. If God be for me, who can be against me? I, I, I begin to, to bring that into my life, and I begin to see the, the power of God. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in the heavenly. The fifth thing about the Word of God is that the Word of God is stable. God is, the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not capricious. God, God doesn't wake up every day and does things differently. You know, some of you grew up with parents who you, you had to walk on eggshells because you did not know what they were going to be today. They could be real nice one day, and the next day you could just look wrong, and, and it was right. And, and some of us think God is that way. But the Word of God lets us know. The Word is forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled. It's stable. I can know what God, God thinks. I can know what God says. I know how to. Isaiah, the 40th chapter and the 8th verse says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. Forever. Now, I want to tell you something. If those five things are true about the Word of God, then I need to get the Word of God in my mouth. I need to start saying the same thing as. The word confession means to say the same thing as God says. So I, I need to learn to do that. So how do I go about, how, how do I go about doing it? Confession involves three things this morning for about the next 10 minutes. That's where I want to spend uh, with you today. The, the first thing you've got to do is that you've got to affirm what the Word says. You, you've got to say, let me, let me do this. How many of you have been reading in Scripture 
And you, you came to that scripture where it says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Ever read that? And you went, wow, the Bible says he's a healer. You keep reading a little bit longer, and it says, if there's any sick among you, the book of James, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. They'll anoint with oil the prayer of faith, will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. Then you keep reading, and the book of John uh, says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. And so I, I get to reading that, and I say, oh, wait a minute. The Bible says he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God who healeth me. Hmm, I don't feel healed. Ever been sick? Come on. Ever been sick? I've been sick. I know what it's like to be sick. And, and at that moment, you come to me and say, how you feeling? Not so good. But the Word says that he's a healer. And so in your spirit, you just begin to affirm what the Word of God says. I don't see it. I don't sense it. I don't know it. I don't have it. You know, you, you ever been, any of you ever gone through a tough time financially? Come on. Ever been there? I've been there. I've, I, I can remember in college pulling up. I had a little Volkswagen Bug uh, car, and the, the real ones. I ain't talking about these new ones. I'm talking about back in the day. And I can remember pulling up the gas station with a roll of pennies and getting 50. Now, that was, gas was a little bit less than it is now. Getting 50 cents worth of gas because it's all the money I had to get back and forth to college for the next two or three days. I mean, if that won't humble you, nothing will. And then I'd read the Bible, and it says, He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider. And I would, wait a minute. He's my provider, and I'm busted right? And so I, I, I can choose, watch this, I can choose to live by my experience or I can choose to live by faith. People say, well, it, it, money doesn't matter. Really? Why do you work all week long if money doesn't matter? Do you know that the Bible says money answereth all things? You know, y'all ought to get in the Bible more often. There's some good stuff in there. Money answers, and people say, well, pastor, money won't make you happy. Well, it'll, it'll rent fun for a while. <laughs> so I read in the Word of God. God says, if I'll put him first in my finances, He'll open the windows of heaven. And I go, how does that work? If I can't live on 100%, how can I live on less? And yet, you know what I found? Is that as I begin to affirm that, as I begin to take the word of God in, my faith begins to grow. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. You've got to start testifying to what the word does. Not what it's to happen, but what it is. I, I, and so you just start saying, you know what? I've been reading the Word of God. And the Bible says that he's a healer. And, and I, just, I just believe that just like he healed people when he was here on earth, I believe he can still heal. 
And there'll be some people you'll get to, and they'll go, man, yeah, I believe that too. I remember when Grandma got healed back, you know, in, in 49. And have, have you noticed how it's always back there somewhere? Right? And, but, but you just begin to testify. You begin to talk about, listen, I, I believe that God's my provider. I believe that, that, that there's no weapon formed against me that's going. And you, you just, as you begin to say this, things begin to happen. And, and what you're doing is, is that you are retraining yourself to use the power of the Word of God. And then as you do that, what happens is, is that as you speak the Word of God, then the angels of God are released to go forth and perform the Word of God. So I speak it, and then the angels go forth to perform the Word of God that I have spoken. And once that happens, then I can start witnessing to what the Word has produced. I can start saying, wait a minute, Here, here's what the Word of God has produced in my life. And, and, and you begin to witness, you begin to talk about that, you begin to share. Look, look. you know, I, I, I was sick the other day, and, and I began to believe God for healing, and, and I got healed. I, I was going through this situation in my family, and I began to read how that the Lord uh, would bring peace in our situation. I began to speak peace into my family and everything. And, and as you do that, then you can begin to witness, you can begin to testify of what God has done. The Scripture says this. The Bible says, submit yourself, therefore, to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And a lot of us have spent a lot of time trying to resist the devil. Can, can I show you something that I think the Word of God brings to us that I don't know that I've heard anybody talk about? And that is this. When you begin to confess the Word of God, you are submitting to God. Think about it. When I say he is Jehovah Rapha, my healer, but I am not healed, what I am doing is I am submitting to him. When I say he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider, and I don't have anything, I am submitting to him. Don't miss it. When I say he is Jehovah Nissi and I'm in the midst of a struggle, in the midst of a situation, and I begin to say his banner over me is love. And I'm not feeling very much love at that moment, but I am submitted to that. Then the devil flees from me. You say, I don't believe that. Well, let me prove it to you. Jesus, God incarnate, the Bible says the fullness of the God had bodily dwelt in Jesus. Jesus submitted himself to the word. Forty days of prayer and fasting, Satan shows up. Satan says, if you be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus had the power to turn them into bread. What does he do? He submits to the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And you know what? Three times the devil hammers him. Three times the devil comes. Every time Jesus submits himself to the Word of God. And you know what happens? The devil flees. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What would happen if we began to do that every time the enemy comes in to rattle our cage? Every time we don't see things happening the way that we think they ought to happen, what would take place if we would begin just like Jesus did? Well, my body doesn't feel good today, but you know what? By his stripes, I am healed. 
I'm just declaring today. He took the stripes upon his back for my healing. And the more that I do that, just like Jesus. You say, I, I don't believe Jesus submitted to the word. Do you know that scripture says that Jesus has been given a name above every name? That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Have you, have you read that? But do you know that the Bible also says that he has exalted his word above his name? What you need, you already have. You have power in your mouth. You have the power of the Word of God that no matter what the enemy brings against you, you have the ability to stand and to take control and authority. Now, I know what some people have thought as I've preached this message today. Oh, no, that's one of those name it and claim it kind of sermons. This must be one of those blab it and grab it churches. Now, I want to tell you something. Just because there has been abuse of a teaching does not mean the teaching is not true. Just because we've watched in the 80s and 90s people start confessing million-dollar houses and confessing a Rolls-Royce in every garage and a jet plane behind every house, we got turned off, and I did too. And we, but you know what? Truth is still truth. Thy word is forever settled in heaven. You have power in your mouth. You have the ability today to take control through the word of God of whatever the enemy has brought against you. Instead of looking out there somewhere, why don't you realize that power is right here? And as you confess what God's Word says, you begin to receive the inheritance that God has for you.